Am I on now, Josh? There we go. I'm sorry. I'm never in this studio, so I realized I had my mic muted as I was trying to intro the show. So, rookie mistake. I'm usually on the other side of the glass. For for those of you that aren't familiar with the studios here at The Ref, there's this little window that sits between... Because there's always two of us that are on on air at any given time. Always a duo. So there's this little window that sits between me and whoever I happen to be on air with. Today it is Josh Helmer who is filling in for Tyler McComas. Josh, thanks for jumping on, man. No doubt. Yeah, this is uh, fun to get to hang out with you. I I never get to do that. So I know this is what unique. like the second time we've gotten to do a show together. <laughs> yes. Dang. It's been what five months? Five months, and this is only round two of the uh, the Parker and Josh show. But this is locked in. Talking sooner football. Talking sooner recruiting. And Josh, it is a wild. Wild week for Oklahoma football and recruiting, more so than anything else because of the transfer portal. And do you remember when everybody was saying, yeah, Brent Venables isn't going to use the transfer portal? It's going to be all the guys that he's got in the locker room and new recruits. He's going completely anti-portal like his mentor, Dabo Sweeney. That was a legitimate concern from a lot of Oklahoma fans, and probably fairly so, right, because of the way Dabo Sweeney has approached it. Man, and now we're sitting here two weeks into the offseason, two weeks and a day, I suppose, since the Sooners' season officially ended, and there is more going on with regard to the portal at the University of Oklahoma than there ever has been. And I know the transfer portal has had a pretty short history, all things considered. It's like, what, year four of this? So the transfer portal is still very much an evolving entity, but... The fact that you have Oklahoma in the market in the same week, Josh, for guys like Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg and Drew Sanders, Makai Wingo, Jackson Player, and you got Jonah Laulu and McCade Mattire and Daniel Parker already. Man, just like is are, it, I know there's no offseason in college football, but it almost feels like the season hasn't ended yet. Like at least once you get to the offseason, there's usually a bit of a lull. We haven't gotten to the lull yet, and we might not for a while. I think it's one of the reasons that for you and I and others in the reporting industry, are you kidding me? The transfer portal's awesome. <laughs> it's horrible for fans. I get that. Fans, uh, it, it creates angst. And I would also say this to fans, it's not – going to be like this every year for Oklahoma with the transfer portal. You had a head coaching change. That has added to this. Stoked the flames a little bit here, but are you kidding me? I mean, come on. It's kind of exciting. It's it's wild for you. You're you're probably like, no, it's 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 not all that exciting trying to figure out where the heck all these guys are gonna wind up. But there's a ton of storylines here. Like Jackson Dart probably is at the top of that list, right? I don't know if uh if you just go by Position, if it's maybe because of Dylan Gabriel, the greatest position of need for Oklahoma, but if we're you know ranking maybe what's available, it would be right there toward the top. Like, Could you even, with all of these different players that Oklahoma's rumored as in on, or that you're reporting that Oklahoma's in on, like one, two, three, could you even rank how that would stack up for you right now? Well, I mean, shoot, Jackson Dart is at the top of the list, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. 
in that 2021 class, and I never imagined we would end up here where there was a circumstance in which Jackson Dart was going to end up at the University of Oklahoma, potentially. But in that 2021 class, there were two guys at the quarterback position that stood head and shoulders above the rest to me. And those guys, well, I guess three guys, three guys. Caleb Williams, Ty Thompson, who's now at the University of Oregon, and Jackson Dart. I loved Jackson Dart as a prospect. And so the fact that we are here right now and we are talking about the guy that was the unquestioned top quarterback prospect in that 2021 class, Caleb Williams, potentially going to USC and swapping places with the guy that any other year would probably have been the most impactful true freshman quarterback in America and Jackson Dart. It's a bizarre world we're living in, Josh, when two true freshmen who played in a very substantial capacity for their college football programs, respectively, are in the transfer portal and looking at going to each other's former school. Now, I know I know that the intent behind the transfer portal was noble, right? And the intent was to make sure that guys didn't lose a year of eligibility or have to sit a year when they got into a situation that just didn't fit them or that they weren't comfortable with. But as with NIL, Josh, it just seems like the NCAA has bitten off a lot more than it can chew with this whole ordeal, particularly as it pertains to the transfer portal. And then you mix in name, image, likeness, and all of a sudden it's the wild, wild west, which it was kind of presented as going to be the wild, wild west from the very get-go, but then all of a sudden you start, I know you're not supposed to entice players, but I think everybody knows that that's happening out there until the until the NCAA steps in and says, okay, there will be stricter guardrails when it comes to name, image, likeness. Money's going to be a factor for the transfer portal and with name, image, and likeness, and I think we've already seen some of the effects of that. New addition to the Oklahoma staff as of this morning, and we'll talk about that in just a few minutes here. But, Josh, I want to ask you, because I haven't heard your transparent opinion on this. Let's say Jackson Dart is a Sooner in the year 2022. Would you rather have him taking the snaps, or would you rather have Dylan Gabriel? I'd like to hedge my bet here. I like both a lot, man. I, I was just about to ask you because you follow the recruiting year round with these classes. I mean, what I, I've seen bits and pieces of Jackson Dart. I feel like I've watched more of Dylan Gabriel because he's been, you know, a starter for a longer period of time at UCF. So I would probably lean Gabriel because of the Jeff Levy offensive coordinator connection and because I've seen more of him. But what type of player is Jackson Dart? We, you know, you see six foot three, the what four star coming out of high school. We we see that we know that he's talented. What type of quarterback would Dart be? Because just from me on the outside looking in at this thing, again, the limited amount that I've seen both of these quarterbacks, I, I would give the edge to Gabriel in my mind. But I think it'd be one hell of a quarterback battle if we get to that point. And you love competition in those types of circumstances too, right? Because you see guys rise to a level that they might not otherwise rise to. You think Caleb Williams had a little extra fire under his belly when he came in in relief of Spencer Rattler in the Red River Showdown? Yeah, I'd say so. 
And that probably contributed to the fact that he threw for 212 yards and had three total touchdowns in what became the largest rally in the history of the rivalry. So competition is never a bad thing. And whether that competition next season at Oklahoma is between Dylan Gabriel and Jackson Dart or Dylan Gabriel and Nick Evers or Dylan Gabriel and Chubba Purdy, whom we haven't really touched on yet. Yeah, where does he slot into all of this? I talked about this yesterday with Tyler. And I'll, I'll kind of rehash it here. I think at this point, Chubba Purdy is a type of guy where obviously they just had him on campus a couple days ago. So if you like him, you think he's a fit, you think he's a take, you say, let's hold the phone. We'll get back to you in 24, 48 hours, and we'll let you know whether we want you to come to Oklahoma or not. Because that gives you the opportunity to host Jackson Dart, and there's really no competition. And that's no knock on Purdy, but there's no competition between Dart and Purdy. Dart just has such a higher ceiling. He's more athletic. He's got a better arm. He is far superior to Chubba Purdy in terms of his ability to play the quarterback position. Not to say that Chubba Purdy is a bad football player because he's not, but Jackson Dart is just special. And so, if you feel like you got Chubba Purdy in the palm of your hand, right, then say, you know what? We're going to take a couple days. We're going to talk about it as a, as a staff. We're going to think it over. Then that gives you the opportunity to bring Jackson Dart in, see if he wants to be there, see if he really is a fit from a personality standpoint, from a relationship standpoint. And then if you get him, great. You say, yeah, and you go tell Chubba, thanks, but we're going to go a different direction. There's no hard feelings, and he probably ends up somewhere like Nebraska, for instance. But if you don't get Jackson Dart, then you can circle back around and say, hey, we still got this spot. We'd love to have you. Come on in and compete. This is where the NCAA transfer portal just gets wild. Like, Oklahoma in 2022 is going to play two quarterbacks that they played in the 2021 season for different programs. Adrian Martinez is going to be at Kansas State. And assuming that Casey Thompson winds up the starter at Nebraska – you see these same quarterbacks again, and now all of a sudden they're somewhere else. Now that's an interesting angle there to where if Dart does pick Oklahoma, now all of a sudden do you have a quarterback battle at Nebraska between Purdy and Casey Thompson? And there are just so many dominoes that can fall in any given direction, right, Josh? And we talked yesterday about the reality that Lane Kiffin is apparently in the running for some NFL jobs. And if Lane Kiffin jumps to the NFL – Ole Miss is probably going to throw a hell of a lot of money at Jeff Levy to come back and try and hold that staff together. And where does that leave Oklahoma, and where does that leave Dylan Gabriel? And it's just as bizarre as you mentioned earlier. Not only is Oklahoma going to face Adrian Martinez and Casey Thompson with different programs in 2022, but they're going to have two guys that started for them starting at different programs and Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler. And they're going to have two guys competing for the job, presumably in Dylan Gabriel and either Jackson Dart or Chubba Purdy, that played elsewhere last season, right. too. This is going to – and here's the thing. This is going to affect the quarterback position more so than any other position on the football field, naturally, right? Because every quarterback feels like he should be the starter. That's just – that's the mentality every single signal caller has. And to a certain degree, it's the mentality you have to have, Right? But at the same time, as you look at the way that the transfer portal is going to evolve and the precedent that has been set in that capacity, 
Josh, we're going to get to a point in time, if we haven't already, where there are going to be legitimately 30 to 40 FBS quarterbacks any given year that start for one program one year and then next year are starting in a different uniform. It's No, I know. It's free agency is what it is. It's just a, a totally different era that we've embarked in. Backtracking to something you asked me a moment ago, I'll, I'll just send it your way now. Do you have a feeling one way or the other if Oklahoma gets good news and Dart says, hey, I love what Brent Vittables and Jeff Levy are about to be building at Oklahoma. I love what they're already building at Oklahoma. I'm coming to join the Sooners. Do you lean one way or the other in how you think that quarterback battle maybe shakes out? I think it's Gabriel. I think Gabriel is Levy's guy. I think Gabriel comes to Oklahoma with the expectation and the intention of being the starter. And I think at that point, what you have in Jackson Dart is you've got a guy that's coming to your program with three years of eligibility, right? And so if the worst case scenario is that he redshirts in 2022, guess what? Dylan Gabriel is going to be really productive for the Sooners as their starting quarterback next season. And odds are he's going to put himself in position to be an NFL draft pick. And so there's no guarantee that he is back in 2023. And at that point, you hand the reins to Jackson Dart. You have Nick Evers waiting in the wings. And at that point, you have what Lincoln Riley was assembling in terms of a plan for the future at the quarterback position beyond just this year or the next, but several years down the road. That's kind of the genesis of all of it. All right, we are just getting started here on Locked in Parker Thune. Josh Helmer with you. You got opinions? You got questions? Hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439 or give us a call. Law Offices of Rod Polson, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line 405-329-9000. We're coming right back to talk more Oklahoma football and recruiting. Stay with us. Welcome back to Locked In. Parker Thune, Josh Helmer filling in for Tyler McComas today. Air Comfort Solutions text line is 405-651-3439 if you have opinions or questions. And Josh, as I mentioned last segment, we have a new addition to the Oklahoma staff as of this morning. And there, there will be several new additions in the coming weeks. So there will be regular updates as to the entirety and the extent of Brent Venable's first staff as Oklahoma head coach. But LaDamian Washington is joining Oklahoma as an analyst and assistant wide receivers coach. And just to give a little bit of background on LaDamian Washington, some of you may be familiar uh, with the name. He played wide receiver at Missouri, was an undrafted free agent in the NFL in 2014, spent time on the practice squads of seven NFL organizations but never suited up for an NFL game, spent some time in the AAF, spent some time in the XFL, and far as I can tell, this is his first foray into coaching at the collegiate level. He was the head coach at a middle school in Columbia, Missouri for two seasons. So there you go. LaDamian Washington, the newest analyst for Oklahoma. And the word is, Josh, that Brent Venables is going to be bringing in plenty of off-field personnel to try and serve as support. And basically – to engineer this program to the point where it mirrors an SEC powerhouse. That's the model that it appears Brent Venables is building. <laughs> I love it. Phil Lodeholt is back in the mix, we found out recently. Is it Matt Holasek from uh, – I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. Holacek. Holacek, yep. okay. That came over from Ole Miss and, of course, with Jeff Lebby 
you know, was responsible for, I'm sure, a good bit of the development and sort of day-to-day with Matt Corral, which, of course, is impressive in its own right. And this right here, for me, there was some scuttlebutt out there amongst Oklahoma fans. Will Oklahoma do something different with wide receivers? Well, LaDamian Washington, I love that. Uh, not directly the the title of wide receivers coach here. Here he'll work in an assistant type role with Oklahoma here. But uh, I love it, man. As many different voices as you can get in the room, and yes, you're going to the SEC. So as much as you can mirror the programs like Georgia, Alabama, you name it, this is the direction Oklahoma needs to head in. And I think this was the prevailing opinion, right? Once the hire of Brent Venables was announced, is this is a guy that is more geared and better suited to help Oklahoma make the transition from the Big 12 to the SEC than Lincoln Riley was. And that's no knock on Lincoln Riley. He's obviously been a very successful football coach, but especially with Benny Wiley on staff as strength coach and just the nature in which Riley ran his ship, it was pretty clear that there were going to need to be some changes made in the way that things operated within those halls if Oklahoma was going to successfully transition to the SEC. Because, quite frankly, Josh, we saw that team get pushed around in 2021, particularly in the trenches. And that's not going to hold up, especially against SEC programs that generally have the best of the best, the cream of the crop on both the offensive and defensive line. And there were question marks about Oklahoma's offensive line entering last season. But you really felt like defensive line was going to be the overall strength. If you had to pick one position group, say, outside of quarterback, where you had the Heisman Trophy favorite and Spencer Rattler coming into the season and a five-star quarterback backing him up in Caleb Williams, if you eliminated quarterback from the discussion, defensive line would have been the position group that you handpicked as Oklahoma's most talented. And though at times – Perion Winfrey, I, I sort of tossed Nick Benito into that group too. I know that he is an edge guy and I guess you wouldn't say is a traditional defensive tackle, defensive end type maybe. I, I sort of group him there with Isaiah Thomas in Perion Winfrey. At times, that group was great, Parker, but other times they did get pushed around a little bit. So, yeah, uh, physicality needs to improve in this program and I have no question that Brent Venables alone – gets that headed in a positive direction. But, man, just the reception that Todd Bates gets on the recruiting trail I think is exciting. The type of talent that all of a sudden those doors that are now open for Oklahoma and and the coaching acumen of those coaches themselves I think is really exciting. One of our listeners says via the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Lincoln was running a 7-on-7 offense. That's a really good way of putting it, actually, because it it felt like that at times. Like – I'll drive around during the offseason and I'll go to seven-on-seven events on a very regular basis. And I never thought about it through that lens, but that's actually a really good comparison because that's what Lincoln Riley's offense felt like at times in the year 2021. It felt like he was running a seven-on-seven type of scheme. And by that, less emphasis on a power run game, right? Because in seven on seven, you're you're playing pitch and catch. Yes, and it's also just everything develops very slowly. You know, like when you're talking about seven on seven, and there's always a clock. Too. I believe it's a four second clock where the quarterback has to get the ball out. 
But very rarely do you see a quarterback get the snap, make a read, make a quick throw. It's all. It always seems to be. It, it just. It's. It takes a lot longer to develop than your traditional eleven on eleven type of snap, type of rep. And so I like that comparison. I think it's. I think it has a lot of merit. And that listener also followed up and said that's why Spencer was so good in seven on sevens, and he was. Spencer Rattler was one of the best seven on seven players that the prep level has seen in years, maybe decades. But again. Didn't really translate to the collegiate game. And we saw flashes from Spencer Rattler, but it's almost like he psyched himself out when he sat there in the pocket and just had a lot of time on his hands. Yeah, I mean, obviously a big step backwards for him in 2021. We'll see what happens with him at South Carolina this this upcoming season. I think that's an exciting marriage there. I mean, obviously he's got, you know – buckets of talent but it didn't didn't work out for OU and Spencer Rattler this season no question one of our listeners says via the text line guys given all that has happened with Muleshoe has anyone gone back and figured out where he disappeared to that fateful day during the bye week (laughs) just curious wow that's going to be one of the great mysteries of OU football and of Muleshoe's tenure here years to come we're gonna look back and we're gonna be like huh you remember when he just vanished off the face of the earth on that tuesday before the baylor game we're all gonna have our theories but i would love i would love an actual answer as to what went down that day obviously it's something that we will never get but man that's gonna be fun to speculate on you know walking into sports bars and having bar side conversations decades from now y'all remember when Lincoln Riley, his that last year when he was Oklahoma's coach before he bolted to USC. Remember when he just straight up disappeared? In and unless it comes from, say, yourself or Brandon Drum or some connected people, you can't trust anything you hear from anyone because it's going to turn into it's like uh the amount of people that say we're at a big game that Oklahoma won. Magically, everybody was at, you know, the Sugar Bowl win versus Alabama or you name it, right? It's like you can't trust that. Until I see the ticket stuff, can't believe it. All right. Well, we are halfway home here on Locked In. Parker Thune, Josh Helmer, hanging with you on this Thursday. after. It's Thursday, right, Josh? Because, like, I don't know, my, my sense of time has gotten so skewed because I spent the first two days of this week at the AFCA Coaches Convention. So yesterday felt like Monday to me. I had to... I had to mentally do a little bit of a double take. I was like, Thursday. Is it Thursday? It is Thursday. Tuesday okay. being a Thursday, though, is not the worst thing in the world, right? <laughs> no, not at all. One more day till the weekend. We are rolling along. We'll be back next to take your texts, take your calls, chat, OU football, and recruiting. The rush comes your way at three, but until then, Josh and I got you covered. Stay with us on the ref. Back with you here on Locked In, Parker Thune. And Josh Helmer filling in for Tyler today. Appreciate you, Josh. Josh is a jack-of-all-trades, man. He just jumps in whenever, wherever. Just talking OU football. Every team needs a utility guy, right? There you go. And that's what you are. See, I was a Dodgers fan. I I am a Dodger. I shouldn't say was. But uh, grown up, watching, loving, admiring the Los Angeles Dodgers mostly due to familial connections more so than anything else. It's one of those allegiances you're just kind of born into. But It's a uh, good one here lately. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the, 20, the 2017 World Series still hurts me inside. 
But uh, they, they got it done in 2020. But Kike Hernandez was that guy for so many years for the Dodgers. Just the consummate utility guy. Put him literally anywhere, and he will thrive. That is Josh Helmer amongst our ref staff. So, Josh, great to have you along. Um, if you have texts, you have questions, comments, 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Hit us up with those. The news just broke that the Houston Texans have fired David Coley after one season as their head coach. They went 4-13. and 13. Uh, Two things here, Josh. One, I don't know what the Texans expected from David Coley. Right. Because that roster was an atrocity, and clearly they were not trying to win football games or expecting to win football games. Maybe that's why he got fired. Maybe he won too much. <laughs> I get like were they angling for the number one overall draft pick and David Culley just said no I'm gonna try to win at least and they ended up winning a couple too many games who knows but the more important narrative here Josh is the fact that there is now a full quarter of NFL franchises eight of the 32 that have head coaching vacancies and we know we can say this with 100% certainty Two names that will get thrown around this week and next as NFL teams look for their next head coach are two of the collegiate level's hottest names and hottest commodities, Lane Kiffin and Lincoln Riley. So, I ask you, Josh, now that we have eight vacancies, how many of these organizations, how many of these franchises, how many of these GMs do you think make a play for a guy like Lane Kiffin or a guy like Lincoln Riley. And keep in mind here, Lane Kiffin's hiring away from Ole Miss. If an NFL team were to poach him, that could very directly impact OU because Jeff Lebby would likely be on the short list to be Ole Miss's head coach. And likewise, I think a lot of OU fans would just be really eager to see Mule Shoes spurn USC without ever coaching a game there. But how likely do you think it is that one or both of those guys is an NFL head coach next year? I don't think uh, I don't think super likely for – Either one, though maybe I'm crazy in saying this, but it seems the NFL's fascination with uh, Lincoln Riley and then, you know, given the fact that Lane Kiffin we've seen as an NFL head coach and it did not go well with the Oakland Raiders. Now, he was he was 32. He was really young when he got that gig. I, I would say Lincoln's stock maybe is higher than Lane Kiffin, so I give him a better chance than Lane Kiffin to land one of these gigs. But I don't think either one of them. If there's a college coach that gets an NFL job, I think it's Jim Harbaugh. And that's his name has been thrown around uh, with several of those vacancies, particularly with the Raiders, whom I don't know if they technically have an opening right now uh, because Rich Bisacci is obviously serving as the interim and they're in the playoffs. Right. He's so, done a hell of a job. I don't know if Rich Bisaccia gets retained or if they look for a full-time head coach to replace the interim or whether they just remove the interim tag with Bisaccia. But regardless, the Raiders' job is the one that Harbaugh has been most popularly linked to. Um, so that could potentially make nine openings at that point. Now, Interesting question that we got asked on the text line uh, last hour when I was on with Steely, Josh, and we never really talked about it, so I want to circle back around to it here. Obviously, everybody's wondering what the holdup is right now on Caleb Williams' decision. People are wondering, okay, it looks for all the world like he's going to USC. Why hasn't he just made the announcement? One of our listeners asked, and I want to pose this question to you and get your thoughts on it. 
What if Caleb Williams is waiting on Lincoln Riley because he realizes there's a chance Lincoln Riley could be leaving for the NFL? It's a good theory. It's a really good theory. And how how strict are these enrollment deadlines? So I, if, I, so there's like a grace period, right? There's like a free ad drop period from what I understand that usually is two weeks from the first day of school. So in theory, this could last till the end of the month, potentially. <laughs> well, that's a pretty good theory. There, there might be something to that, that the Williams family and Caleb specifically wants assurances that Lincoln Riley is, in fact, going to be USC's head football coach after he signs on to be their quarterback for the future. They, they probably have, have thoughts or feelings or worries that, yeah, that could be a possibility. I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about that, but it's, it's a solid theory. Now, obviously, okay, so my, my full-time occupation is with 24-7 sports, covering OU football and the recruiting landscape. So I want to clarify here up front, what I'm about to say is my opinion. This is not inside knowledge because I know there was, there was some confusion yesterday because I got in the air and said, Caleb Williams isn't going to be back in an OU uniform. And I clarified after the fact that that was just my opinion as opposed to source knowledge, but apparently uh, – that wasn't entirely clear to some people, so I just want to clarify up front here. This is me expressing my opinion, not telling you anything that is for sure or confirmed or sourced, but to me, the fact that Caleb Williams hasn't announced his commitment to USC leads me to believe that one of two things is the case, Josh. Either one, yes, Lincoln Riley's name is getting thrown around in NFL circles as the next potential head coach for, say, the Houston Texans or the Minnesota Vikings or what have you. And from that perspective, if I'm Caleb Williams, naturally I'm going to sit on my hands as long as possible until I know for sure whether my head coach is going to be around at USC or not in the year 2022. The other possibility, Josh, is that Caleb Williams entered the transfer portal and he and his family very quickly realized that the grass wasn't greener on the other side of the fence. And I know that's a cliche, and I know it gets said a lot. But the reality is, and we said this from the moment he entered the portal, there is no slam-dunk destination for Caleb Williams. There is no program that can hang their hat on quarterback development. There is no coach that can hang his hat on quarterback development outside of Lincoln Riley. And so, when Caleb Williams got into the portal, there never seemed to be a logical, surefire fit that made sense for him. And there were some programs that, you know, you evaluate the situation there, and it makes a lot of sense for him to go there, but there were always drawbacks as well. There were, there were always a long list of cons in addition to the pros when you were talking about any of the programs, the likes of an Auburn or a Georgia or a Florida or Oregon or Wisconsin, what have you. But I think it's pretty clear at this point that Oklahoma has moved on. I think it's pretty clear based on the fact that they brought in Dylan Gabriel within hours, based on the fact that they are now hosting Chubba Purdy and Jackson Dart within the same week, it is very evident to me 
that Oklahoma is operating fully under the impression that Caleb Williams will not be back in an Oklahoma uniform in 2022. Now, what happens, Josh, if Caleb Williams and his family come to the realization that uh, we don't really like any of our options here, all told? Like, leaving OU was a bad decision. Obviously, I think if Caleb Williams wants to come back to OU, I, I don't think you tell him no. I don't think you say, no, we're moving on. We're not going to give you the opportunity to come back and compete for your former job. But by the same token, what if between now and the time that Caleb Williams makes his decision, Oklahoma picks up a commitment from a guy like a Jackson Dart or a Chubba Purdy? Does that make Oklahoma less attractive? And then at that point, what is Caleb Williams to do? And how many quarterbacks do Brent Venables and Jeff Lebby want, right? Which would be another part of this equation. I, I can't imagine a scenario where even even if Jackson Dart, let's say, picks OU, so you've, you've got Gabriel, Dart, Evers was signed, and then Caleb Williams comes back into the mix – He's too talented to say, yeah, we're okay. I, I would imagine Oklahoma would say, yes, welcome back. But, hey, now there's no – this This is not your guaranteed job anymore. It's a full-fledged quarterback competition. You'd have to say yes. He's just – he's too talented to say no to. And he's coming back to compete. Like, at that point, you have to, you have to disclose up front and you have to make it very abundantly evident. And it's evident circumstantially, right, but that has to be clearly expressed. Look – you are not guaranteed the job if you come back. And most everyone expects that Caleb Williams would earn the job back right. if he ended up at Oklahoma just because he's arguably the most talented quarterback in college football. But at the same time, you're not going to welcome Caleb Williams back and say, here, here's QB1 status again. You're going to say, nope, you know what? You got to earn it. Just like you earned it the first time, just like you worked to supplant Spencer Rattler and took advantage of every opportunity that was given you, you're going to have to do that again if you want to beat out Dylan Gabriel and or Chubba Purdy and or Jackson Dart and Nick Evers and Ralph Rucker and Ben Harris and Micah Bowens. and yeah, gosh, I mean, it's That not... Oklahoma quarterback room is getting really big. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden. It wouldn't be fair to those other guys that you've brought on board, right? No. To, to make some guarantee to really anybody in the mix. All right, we will be back to wrap up Locked In in just a moment. Going to talk some recruiting. Uh, that's kind of something that has gotten – Shuffled down over the course of the hour, but a couple big-time offensive linemen that Oklahoma's in the running for here late in the cycle. Obviously, transfer portal is the big topic of conversation this week, but several elite high school prospects that could be Sooners by the time National Signing Day rolls around on February 2nd. We'll dive into that and more when we come back. Back to wrap it up here on Locked In. The Ref Sports Radio Network, Parker Thune alongside Josh Helmer, talking OU football and recruiting all the way up until 3 o'clock, at which point we will turn it over to Teddy Lehman and you, I would assume, right? Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay, so Josh is going to stick around. He's got three more hours once we uh, wrap up this hour here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Any final thoughts, any final questions or opinions, hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line with those, 405 651 34 39 and Josh let's talk a little bit of recruiting here first off though uh shout out to Kendall 
because I name dropped Ben Harris at the end of last segment. <laughs> he loves and Ken Ken Harris. Kendall man. is the queen bee of the Ben Harris hive because <laughs> he has been he has been plugging Ben Harris for weeks and weeks on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. So there you go, Kendall. Ben Harris finally gets a mention, and uh, he will be part of what is an increasingly sizable Oklahoma quarterback room heading into the 2022 season because it doesn't seem like Micah Bowens is going anywhere. Ralph Rucker isn't going anywhere. You got Nick Evers. You got Dylan Gabriels. You got at least five quarterbacks right there, and then you're looking at potentially bringing in a sixth and maybe a seventh in Jackson Dart and Shelba Purdy. So we will see if it comes to that. But down the stretch here in the recruiting cycle, Josh, couple big, big targets for Oklahoma, one of whom is visiting this weekend, and that is five-star offensive lineman Josh Connerly Jr., him and another five-star offensive lineman and Devin Campbell, two guys that Oklahoma is very much in the hunt for. Now, disclaimer up front here, Josh Connerly has never visited Oklahoma in any capacity, has never been to the state, so this is brand new for him. And the fact that Bill Biedenbow and the Sooner staff was able to secure an official visit from Josh Connerly is pretty remarkable in and of itself. But as you look at that recruitment, Michigan very much in it, Oregon very much in it, the hometown program, Washington very much in it. And you look at the fact that Josh Connerly purportedly is going to take long past National Signing Day to arrive at his final decision. I mean, this could stretch into March or even April. I don't know, Josh, do you do you view that type of recruitment as one that Oklahoma wants to be in if it drags past National Signing Day? If his name is uh, Connerly, I would say <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd say they're okay with being involved in it. But generally speaking, probably not, right? Yeah, I just – you know, there there were people that when Je- uh, when Gentry Williams picked up the offer from Jackson State, uh, there's always that contingent that is upset about something, right? And in Gentry Williams' case, they were upset about the Jackson State not not about the Jackson State offer, but about the fact that he hadn't signed with OU yet when he received the Jackson State offer, and he still hasn't officially signed with OU as of today. But I mean, there were people. Hitting the message boards, Josh, and hitting the text line and voicing their opinions, saying Gentry Williams is a prima donna. He doesn't actually want to be here. Uh oh. Uh oh. He don't have that OU DNA. He can go to Jackson State for all I care. Now, count me in the again, opposite that just, camp. I know that, that <laughs> does not, like not that represent well. the feelings of the entire fan base or even a majority of the fan base, right? Most Sooner fans are more than excited to get Gentry Williams on campus and to have him join the Sooner family as a legacy, as a guy that has grown up in the state of Oklahoma and pulled for the Sooners his whole life, and as a very talented football player as well out of Booker T. Washington High School. But whenever you get in a situation like this where a guy presumably should have made a decision in the eyes of a lot of people by a certain point and yet takes longer to drag out the process, there's always going to be that percentage of fans that are dissatisfied with the way things are trending. And I compared Josh Connerly to another Washington-area prospect in JT Tuamaloa, who was the top prospect in the 2021 class, and literally didn't commit Josh until July 4th, a month before he enrolled at Ohio State. So there's some precedent for recruitments like this one, high-profile recruitments, getting dragged out much longer than they realistically should. But at the end of the day, Josh, 
The Sooners are in it for Josh Connerly, and they're going to be in it, I would imagine, right up until he makes his decision because Bill Bedenboe has that type of sway. Connerly or Campbell, who, who do you think they have a better shot? Oh, I would say Campbell. I would say definitely Campbell just because he's been on campus multiple times. Right. Josh Connerly never has been. So, so if you and that's, kind of blow him away, maybe, maybe then all of a sudden we're talking a different Exactly. So, like, the visit, like, this could be Oklahoma's ace in the hole, or this could be what confirms that Josh Connerly never yeah, wants right. to touch the University of Oklahoma again. Like, when a guy has never visited campus and it gets this late in the process and he takes a visit for the first time, it can go a million different directions, right? So there's a very good chance that, hey, who knows, Oklahoma could get a commitment from Josh Connerly this weekend. They just as easily could drop out of the race as quickly as you can snap your fingers. Hopefully it goes well. That'd be a huge get for OU if it, even if it takes into the summer. They could use some some serious, talented offensive line help. Fun hanging out with you today, dude. Absolutely, man. We will do it again tomorrow here on Locked In, 2 to 3 p.m. right here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. But we are done for this Thursday. We're going to turn it over to the rush. Josh is going to stay here. Teddy Lehman's going to hop in. Stick with us.